Well, one of the stories that has dominated the headlines this week was the One Million March for Children, uh, with protests set to continue today as well. Here's a bit of what we heard this week from both sides. We're standing for love and not for hate. We're here standing for our laws, our human rights codes, which I, among many others, have fought so hard to amend to include trans rights. Here in Ontario and across Canada, trans rights are protected rights, and that includes children who are feeling very vulnerable right now and who this protest is designed to target. It's not in favour of them, it's targeting them and their families as well. We're here just to remind people we're a country of human rights, they're protected. Children are not alone. There are many, many of us here that love you as you are and that support you as you are. I think it's important for parents to have a say in what is being taught in school. I'm not here because I hate trans people or I'm homophobic. Not at all. I love uh, everybody, but I think they're pushing it too much. And they're trying to shun parents out of the schoolroom. And I think that's not right. Parents should have a say. And the school should not hide stuff from parents. We've been hearing this from both sides this week. It got me thinking, how did we get here? How did we get to this point where we have lost the desire to listen, to reason, and to work together? I think... Uh, this across the board, not just when it comes to the conversation around gender identity in schools, but race and inclusivity. I'm joined by Alex Pearson, host of The Alex Pearson Show that airs right here on 640 Toronto, Monday to Friday, 9 to 12. And Danny Stover, host of Let's Talk, also here on 640 Toronto, 7 to 10 p.m., Monday to Friday. Thank you both for joining me. You're so welcome. Thank I'm so you. glad I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot because both of you work so hard during the week. So joining me on the weekend means a lot. And I really just wanted to have a conversation about how did we get here? How do we get to this? Con- you know, my 10 year old was watching yeah. the news last night and he was like, mommy, why are they shouting? Why are they screaming? They have a microphone. And what I imagined, Danny and Alex, was just a kid in the middle just saying, can you guys just act like adults? Can, can both sides just act like adults? So when you saw what was happening across the country this week, what were your initial thoughts? Danny, I'll start with you. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't really surprise me. And I, yeah, I, I work with drag story times and I've been doing that for about six years. And so I definitely have witnessed a shift over the past few years. Um, when we started doing it, it was all love and all inclusivity and all acceptance and people didn't have a problem with it. And then slowly but surely it devolved into something that was pretty gross. Um, I spend a lot of my time dealing with, you know, disgusting comments and things. So that that's been bubbling up just from my own personal experience. Um, I, within the school board, it's not something that I can speak to as much, but this amount of hate and this amount of, I think just misunderstanding, maybe not yeah. so much hate, but just misunderstanding. I've been I've been feeling bubbling under the surface for quite some time. Yeah. How about you, Alex? What were you observing? And I know you had a number of interviews this week on this topic. Well, it's interesting because they've rewritten the script. Um, this was not about trans rights. Um, this is not about, you know, fighting the hate. This was a buildup over several years of parents. And some of the people in the, that audience would have been jerks. And that, yeah. that happened on both sides. But it was about, like, at the, at the nub of this is overreach by the government, right? And pa- parents pushing back. That really is it. There was no consultation done 
on this part of the curriculum when it came to sex ed. And the sex ed curriculum was already, um, you know, touchy. But this, this gender ideology started to creep into education. And for a lot of parents, it kind of came out of nowhere. And then when it started to come into the classroom and that, to raise issues about it, you would be shut down right away. Like, nope, this is how it's going to be. You know, this is what we're teaching. And if you don't like it, then, you know, you're hateful. And so I think for a lot of parents, it became like a label rather than a conversation to then, you know, people were scared to talk about it and they kept their mouth shut. But when you've got younger kids and, and my child, Maggie, is 10 too, but what my child and your child learn is up to us as parents. I know what my child can hear. You know what your child can hear. They're not all the same. I know what he's mature enough for. I know what he's not. And so what parents want is to be included in it. And for a long time, it's just been a thing. And so for me, I hear a lot of parents, they'll quietly say, like, my kid is coming home with this stuff, and I don't even know what it is myself. And I, I just, they're not ready for it. And so I think that's where you get the pushback, where all of a sudden it's like, it's just an accepted thing. And for some parents, it's not going to be. That's not their belief. So on one side, you've got, you know, this is my belief, trans rights, it's going to be this way and no way else. And on the other side, you've got parents saying, well, my belief is different than your belief. And we're kind of just shoving them on, on each other. That's where the conversation stops. Yeah. And, and I wonder, Danny, you know, what I heard, too, um, you know, from, from some of the counter protests this week was, um, this is a life and death issue. And, and you working with Drag Storytime and obviously hearing a lot of the vitriol. Explain to explain to us just like, what you're hearing and why this feels like uh, parents who might be pushing back um, might be stepping on what some would feel is a life and death issue for some. I mean, it's a big question, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, for not, you just, you hear stories of people and, and in my experience, which is all I can really speak to, um, we've had kids come out with their parents. And I, and I think, you know, going back to what Alex said a little bit, not to like jump around, but, um, I do think there is some responsibility on not just parents, but all of us to educate ourselves. I do feel like there's a focus put on the school as like a way to learn about everything um but i do think but as they, adults they we have a great opportunity they chose that the school boards and certain of them toronto and, and and a few of them chose to do that right it's not all school boards but but a couple of them chose that they were going to take control of this and, and you know that is another issue but go ahead jenny sorry no i just meant in general like you know there's no no stopping anybody from you know hey i'm confused about this well i'm gonna take it upon myself to go learn a little bit more about this instead of going back and saying this doesn't work for me. Um, I, I think it's it's interesting that people send their kids to school and I think about, you know, math. I hated math. Uh, I didn't understand math and it didn't cause for a big protest. It was, okay, well, this is obviously something I'm not interested in. It's obviously not something that I completely understand. And so that's that. Yeah. Um, we ask kids all the time what they want to be when they grow up. And they'll say things like a garbage man or a mermaid or whatever. And we don't often take that for Bible. So I just think that there's this kind of, I understand parents not trusting the school board, not trusting the government. I understand parents having their own beliefs that don't fit into the ideologies of what um, is kind of being talked about more now. But I just think that 
if you approach it with more of a curiosity, more of an open mind, more of a, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this before I vilify a school board, before I vilify the government, before I vilify my neighbors on both sides. I just think that there's a conversation that's to be had here that really explores why is it that people feel that they aren't born in the body that they were, or they aren't feeling like the body they were born into? Why is it that people want to express themselves in different ways? And why are we so against that? And I think one more example, I will say again, because I, again, I I feel awkward myself talking about school issues when I'm not really in that world, but my aunt, love my aunt. Um, She's an older woman. She's single. She's been living in Toronto for a hundred years. And I asked her about this because she's not in this world and she's kind of religious and stuff. So she was like, I just feel like it's being shoved down my throat. And I pushed back on her. I was like, where and where is this being shoved down your throat? I think even the the term shoved down my throat is something that's been used as a way to to put up a block of like, no, not here. And instead, I, I wish she would say, well, I feel like it's really in my face, but I'd love to explore that. Why is that? What is this? Because, because it's so pervasive. Like, really? Why, I mean, so? we, Why we is have, it pervasive? But OK, so my question is. My question is then what I've heard from parents is we just want to be a part of the conversation. I've I've heard from parent friends who say I'm not transphobic. I don't you know, there's no such thing as transphobia in my home or biphobia in my home. I just want to be a part of the conversation and join with my teacher in order to teach my child what they need to know at the right time. And so, Alex, are you hearing that? Because that's what I'm hearing from parents. Yeah, I mean, by and large, you know, when you see a sign that says, you know, you don't own your child, um, you know, that kind of stuff, parents are going to react to that. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I do own my child. If I'm writing him permission slips to go on a, a field trip, if he, he needs a permission slip to, to go, you know, off the property of the school, if I'm paying his bills, you know, I'm still registering him in, in, in activities for, for school, then yes, he very much is my child, and I want to say, I'm never going to stop... And clearly, no parent's ever going to stop their child from um, doing anything. But parents very much want to know what's part of the garbage box. Um, parents very much, much want to know what is going on in their child's life because ultimately, school boards aren't going to be around. They're not going to be around for the aftermath. They're not going to be around there for the long term to, to continue. You know, once a child has come out or, you know, made these kinds of big decisions, the parents will be, in the long run, the people in that child's life to get them through it. And are there bad parents? Of course there are. But there are really bad teachers. And I can tell you that as someone who has covered court cases of, of adult teachers abusing their position of trust. So I think we have to get away from, you know, teachers know best. They, they do. Teachers absolutely play a role. Um, abuse in the home, uh, hunger, those issues. Teachers are very much part of the front line. But they are not the front line, Right. Parents and teachers have to get back to being able to talk. And it's a big decision, right? Teenagers make decisions all the time, and then they change their minds or they move forward with it. But I, I just think we've got to get away from being so dogmatic about this and that everyone wants it and everyone wants to hear it all the time. And, and it's not. Ultimately, kids go to school to learn the ABCs, one, two, threes, right? And so I think for a lot of parents, this is still fairly new. The millennials all know about it, but for a lot of older generations, this kind of came out of nowhere, and it's very uh, a lot for people to learn. And then there's the other side of this, where you may get a a, a letter wrong in in the you know the, the, the LBGT. Yeah, I can't even keep up with it. Where you might ask a question that gets wrong, and there are some very militant people out there 
We get very angry. If you don't let people learn about this, if you don't take the time to be patient and let people understand it, then they're not going to want to learn. And I think that's where, where we're at with this, is where people are so scared to get their head bitten off about dead naming someone or getting one of the letters wrong that they say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to learn about this. I don't, I don't need to be yelled but at. And I think that's, a, that's on that person, because I think, in, I think that happens on both sides. And in my experience, if you're going to mess up, I've known a lot of people that are like, hey, that's not my pronoun, or oh, you duff mm. that letter. And it's, it's not to attack. And so I think that on both sides, there are people that are refusing to learn. All right. We're talking culture wars uh, this morning. I have Alex Pearson, host of The Alex Pearson Show, and Danny Stover, host of Let's Talk on. Uh, I want to move a little away from, you know, what we've seen this week and really talk about how did we get here? You know, Canadians are are quite divided on this issue, as we've seen in some of the reports uh, put out by Angus Reid. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you think was the breaking point for us? And are we emulating the states? Because I feel like, you know, be it race, be it gender, be it like the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Now it is an us versus them. And no one is wanting to listen and have an actual conversation. What was the breaking point for us? I'll start with you, Alex. And then, Danny, I'll, 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 I want to hear your thoughts. I don't think there's been a breaking point. I think it's been building for, for a while, right? Where whether it's issues on Black Lives Matter, issues on race, issues on sexuality, any, whatever, like, pick your culture war. It didn't happen overnight. It just, first of all, a lot of it fed off of what happened in the United States. You know, that's the jumping point. And we don't have the same issues as, as the United no. States. We just yeah. don't. We're very different countries. Um, but it just became a blanket you know, that's it. That's it. That's what it is. And if America's doing it, then Canada's doing it. And then people form their own opinions. A lot of people are in their own silos, right? They don't talk at all. I blame a lot of it on politicians who use these issues mm-hmm. to score pipes off of. I think it's been very irresponsible of Trudeau, um, you know, when he sends out, like it, like Wednesday, for instance. And, you know, he didn't have to weigh in at all, frankly. But then he goes right to condemning and hate and, and blanket statements that wedges people. And how can you have a conversation if you've now been labeled as something? You're either hateful or you're racist. You know, the second you call someone racist, they're not going to talk, right? Mm-hmm. Then they go into their own silo, and then they find people who have also gone through that experience. And before you know it, they're in this silo of, of just not wanting to talk to anybody, and then it's distrust is built, and then hate is built, and no one's talking to each other. So I don't think it happened overnight. I just think it happened over time enough where people are just like, I just, I'm not going to talk about all of it because I don't need to be you know, named or uh, blamed or uh, you know, vilified uh, for how I feel. If we could just get away from that, because we did. Once upon a time, these issues did you know, exist in the 70s. Um, you know, race and civil action, all these things happened, but yet we could talk, right? And then along came this cancer called social media and, and, and Zuckerberg and all these jerks undermining conversation and who knows like half the time in these conversations they could be russian bots and chinese bots sowing the seeds of division we don't know who we're talking to and of course on twitter and social media you can say whatever you want so the conversation has broken down because we're not actually having conversations with with actual i think half the time people yeah danny do you do you do you see social media as playing a role in this especially uh, you know, the influence of American culture and American politics that we just feel like we have to translate that to Canadians or to our Canadian reality. What again, we have two very different countries. Totally. I, I agree 
with a lot of what Alex said. I do think that um, <laughs> uh, social media, I do think social media has kind of created this world in which everything's very quick and you want to be first. And it's very, yeah. it's, you're not always digging deep. And then sometimes you're posting and you're leaving or you're having these conversations and, and it's, it's not, it's easy to get to a place that's heated and back and yeah. forth and hateful as opposed to, you know, if I were sitting in front of one of these people, let's assume they're not a bot, but I'm sitting in front of these people and we're talking, um, we probably probably wouldn't get to that level. And I think about right. this a lot when I get start to get, uh, when I start to see generalizations online or things online that get to me personally, I'm like, okay, but the people in my circle wouldn't say this about me. And right. so sometimes I really have to like take it off <laughs> offline. But I do think social media has had a big uh, play in this. I do think there's a style of politics that we're seeing. I also, and I'm not even blaming, there's no blame here for me because I love it so much. RuPaul's Drag Race came out in 2009. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that brought a lot of, you know, queer voices, trans activists, um, queer joy to the forefront and to the mainstream. And I think a lot of people might have seen themselves reflected in this world and then thought, oh, I can do that. Or I'm going to try doing this. Or why don't I try dressing right? a different way? I mean, RuPaul's been around forever. Forever. Totally. But I not in the mainstream. Uh, no, but still, I mean, people were much more accepting it. And, and you brought it up, Maggie, this polling by Angus Reid. Yeah. I think it's really, really interesting when you dig into the numbers, because what it says, if you actually see the big picture, it's not that people don't want rights on this side or don't or believe they should be treated differently or hated. They just want to be included. Right. Yeah. They just want to know. And so I think. Like and isn't it funny? That's what the LGBTQ community wants too. Right. It's right. It, they, everyone it's seems to want the same thing. Yeah. Well, there's a very militant. I think we have to agree. There's a militant middle section that are you either accept it or you're hateful. And if we can't get away from that, then then we're never going to talk. And I think we've seen that on both sides this week, right? We saw, especially with the the Calgary protests. I mean, it, it, we saw militancy on uh, on the sure. right and on, on the left. I want to leave us with one question. How does this impact the next generation? Because, you know, we're all, you know, we're, we're, uh, I'll say I'm old. I don't know if you guys want to call yourself. Well, I'm old. I'm 44. I'm old. Um, so well, I'm older than you. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but, but I worry about the next generation. How do we, how do we have proper discourse? How do we show that? Because what we saw this week is not a good e example for the next generation on how to have these really, really, really important conversations, not just about gender, but also about race, also about a, a number of other issues in our society that are are only going to grow and only going to be in our face even more and be a part of social discourse. Danny, I'll start with you. Ah, uh, oh man, I, I, I want to have faith. I have hope. I'll use one example of my drag story time just quickly. Of one time we went, this was years ago, went to a school and, you know, dance and played in front of like a bunch of younger kids. And so they had fun. Honestly, their biggest question is about the wigs. Mm. Where can I get a wig? How do I wear a wig? Um, so then the teacher comes up and she's like, oh, if I had this when I was young, it would be beautiful. Can you come back next week for the older kids? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if the older kids are going to get it, if they're going to be as respectful, if they're going to pay attention as much. We go back next week and it was they were the most respectful, the most interested. It was a beautiful it brought a tear to my eye like it was so beautiful. And so I have faith that the next generation 
you know, I just feel like it's a bit like water in a stream. It'll find its own path to carve. And I think if, again, if we just lead with openness and curiosity instead of fear, I think it'll be okay. Alex? We got got to get back to critical thinking. We've got to get back to being able to say things that may be offensive, may be hurtful, may be crazy, and talk about them. It's okay. It's not your right to not be offended. And if we do that more, I mean, we seem to have this generation, um, and and I think it's probably the section of the millennials where they were never told no, there's there's no consequence for anything, they don't fail, everything's going to be okay, even if you lost, you won. So they've never really kind of had to face hardship, right? And so I don't I'm think that's saying, true. I faced so much hardship and I, I, you know, I'm not saying it that. I'm just saying like consequence. Like if you tell your teacher to F off or something or swear, like there, there would have been a consequence back in the day. There's not that kind of consequence. There's not that kind of, um, you know, concern that there's consequence in, in, in private life, but in society at large, I just, I just think we have to get back to critical thinking and allowing people to question things and not be shut down from that part of the conversation. And I think I'm going to have to call it there. I think there's a difference between questioning things and being open to be challenged as opposed to just spewing out stuff. And I speak as a black woman when it comes to that. How do we get to that point where people can have a conversation, say, hey, this is what I understand about X. Can you help me understand? And if we come from if we come with that posture, I feel like there can be a shift in just having responsible, articulate, real discourse in society and really be Canadians. And we just, and we just, I was just going to say, and we just did that on radio on a Saturday morning. Big thank you to you, Danny Stover and Alex Pearson for joining me on Toronto this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.